Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Kyle Davis, Lewis the Maine. Howdy, y'all. This is terrific Tanya Heathcote from the beautiful state of Tennessee wishing you better brain health. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is Shirley May, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. This is Cheryl from Hawaii. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, aloha. Soul here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. Tonight's Integration Time, Chapters 1 through 9, specifically focused on ethics and integrity, and to talk about questions that still seem weird or not clear or still muddy. I know that, Marsha, the first time you dove into ethics and integrity and divorcing them from morals, it was still a bit cloudy your first yeah. time through. Yeah? Yeah, it was. It was fuzzy. Mm-hmm. You're right. What started helping you clear it up? I think I've looked at what word equals deed means. I really looked at that. I said, okay, if I just focus on that right there, that whatever I say is what I do, that just makes it so much more simpler because it's not about my morals or somebody else's morals. It's just about what I say I'm going to do is what I do. That also simplifies it because I don't want people judging me for my morals and I don't even want them asking me what are my morals. What has that got to do with it? If I say I'm going to do something and I do it, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to see. Well put. I didn't really realize about the morals 
either. That was just something you pick up and it can change any time. Or I always thought that the morals were right in there with that. Yeah. And as it sunk in, Cheryl, what popcorned? What memories of things came up? What happened inside you that started to allow you to divorce ethics from morals? One of the things that it put me back into when I was a teenager and the first time that I really remember thinking about it and my mom gave me quite a good lecture because I had promised one of her friends that I was going to do her craft and I had this stuff and it didn't work out and then it was stuffed in the back of my closet and my mom saw it and man did she ever lay into me and told me if I was ever going to promise somebody anything that I had better follow through and that person was expecting it of me and everything so the class that chapter nine and everything reminded me of that and how much since then I have really tried to be more ethical and follow through with my deeds and stuff. <laughs> that process rang a bell all the way back to your childhood? Hey, yep, yep. Young teens, yep. <laughs> wow. Are you finding yourself now more at peace? I guess you could say that. I know because of my actions and my decision on being ethical and following through, it does give me a peaceful feeling because I know what I've done, I know what I expect. Like the little ends are tied up. I don't have to worry about a stray thing popping back at me because I didn't do it. So yeah, it would be a peaceful, peaceful feeling. You need not worry about worth decay now because at least from this standpoint, you're more at peace with your word equaling your deed more often than not. True? Absolutely. Yep, true. When I looked at my past, this is before taking Pay Me One and More, I used to look at my past and I would feel guilty and unworthy and all that, really. That, that was all based on what other people's morals were, in essence. It just is, makes so much more sense because once I wiped that out of the picture, now I can actually say, okay, as long as my word equals my deed, I should be okay with everything proceeding forward. I don't need to worry about things as long as I do what I say I'm going to do, period. I would have to say that that in and of itself has helped you shift into your confidence that we're all experiencing. Is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. Team Seekers, have you noticed both Cheryl and Marsha, as you listened to other classes, have you noticed incremental changes in their tone? Oh, uh, yeah. I've never experienced two more confident, competent women. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> And it has been an amazing, amazing transformation from, well, I'm not quite sure, to bubbling over bubbly to now it's like these two are like, they're lined up. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, David. (laughs) I can feel it 
within myself, my voice. I remember when I would get on the calls on the very first calls. (laughs) 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 To some degree, this applies to everybody on Team Seekers. I mean, granted, I may suffer from the proud parent syndrome, of course, what parent isn't proud of their children, I, as I listen to my lessons, each one of your classes is a lesson for me. You do understand that, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As I listen to you, as I listen to, oh, my God, to me, it's like, what the hell did I just say there? Where'd that come from? Um, <laughs> uh, so you all, I sense, are becoming much more confident because now that you're aware that ethics is no more difficult than word equal deed, it clears the air, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. I can feel a shift because I used to let people off the hook, including my friends and relationships, if people were flaky or if, say, I was trying to run a business or get people to an event or get or ask someone out on a date, and they're like, no, maybe later, I'd always put up with that for some strange reason. I'd be like, well, I'm just trying to do due diligence, and they never got back to me. They never actually honored their words. So now if someone's flaking out on me, if someone's not paying the respect of time that I ask them to, they schedule an appointment and keep not showing up, I'm going to have to say I'm done. Case closed, not chasing after it. I've eliminated just chasing after people and finding the right people who are really ethical and finding the right people who are really interested in who I am and what I'm doing. And that's in every aspect of my life. It's not just one thing. And that for me is really what this chapter has helped me do is to stop mixing ethics and morals and find the right people who I really find to be ethical, who I find to really be interested and committed into who I am as a person. It's just a feeling. It's not like I sit there and pull out a checklist and say, okay, okay, okay. It's people who show up, say they're going to do what they're going to do, and then when they do that, I know that they're ethical, and I know I can be ethical with them. Kareem, is it fair to say that you're now tapping into the power of synchronicity? Yes. I think I'm tapping into real respect is what I'd call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about this, ladies and gentlemen. How much time and effort is spent on people who aren't in sync with you? We go back to Chapter 7, Pricing the Priceless. How much time, money, energy, worry, doubt, guilt, shame, blah, 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 is spent on someone who you've got to bring them up to speed, or they got to speed, but now they're falling back behind? Follow? Yeah. They're not in sync, right? Right. Right. What's the cost of being out of sync? Uh, I've got to speak Time, your money. Self-respect. Yeah, that's time-running self-respect. Personally, from this chapter, but I think it's from the whole, from one through nine, when when you put them all together, 
I've had this major shift and it's becoming more and more clear to me. As much as I wanted to deny it or wanted to avoid it, I really had a strong focus on what other people thought of me when mm. I first started. And it was kind of covered with some things that sounded real good. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's what I kind of thought I should be saying. <laughs> it's really been interesting to kind of to really to step into this is what I say and my doings match my sayings. I've seen more and more my actions, especially the last month, have been totally in alignment with what my word is. My actions have been matching it up. Some folks have been like, who the hell are you? And, 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 and that's, that's wonderful. Those folks that are saying, who the hell are you, are the people that benefited from me being so about them <laughs> rather than being so about me. <laughs> So it's been really interesting to see that outwardly, but also this is what was really cool. This afternoon, my daughter Katie picked me up from work, and as we were pulling out of the parking lot, I just took a deep breath and I said, I feel really free, and life is pretty darn effortless. I seem to be finding money all over the place. (laughs) Did you know, and I gave her a couple of examples, And I was like, wow, it's really cool to live life in a position where all I have to do is just be, and it's effortless. So you pointed something up to me. I told the story about getting my new job and and how easy and effortless it was. And you'd mentioned, do you realize that, David, that there might be a whole lot more examples of that, not just about getting employment? And I was like, oh, I welcome that. And then I had to step into what I said. And that's what's coming. (laughs) (laughs) So if I'm hearing you correctly, David, you're letting the stress out. Yeah, I'm just the air, the balloon, it is decompressing. Now, granted, you're the last person, the last person on the face of the earth who worries about what other people think. So what you just said may not apply to anybody else here on this call. (laughs) What was really interesting in my own experience was that the people that seemed to have the highest expectations were the same people that wouldn't pay me a nickel if their life depended on it. They'd rather die first. And that was... Very interesting to have that flash right in front of my eyes to finally wake up and to understand what it means to be in alignment on all levels. And what it really means to be in alignment for me on all levels is to just go ahead and observe the the air leaving the balloon and watching it go. (laughs) (laughs) So the follow your bliss guy is now more in tune with his own bliss. That's right. The Follow Your Bliss guy can now claim that title and own it. Wow. Do it. Get it. Let's jump back, though, and this will help popcorn questions from everybody else. David, when you first read Chapter 9, and I invited you to divorce ethics from morals, I want you to go (laughs) back to that very first read What did your ego inside you say? I don't have any morals. My morals don't get in the way of my ethics at all. No, 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 no. 
<laughs> That's not going on in my life. <laughs> and then several examples of how morals have gotten in the way of my perception of contracts. Oh, my, was that interesting because there have been several new contracts that have come my way. I realized real quick how I felt about that or how unjustified I thought it was. <laughs> totally played and it was all moral stuff. It was moralistic BS is what it was. It's been an eye-opening experience. The last two chapters especially have really seriously challenged me. <laughs> I really had to go, okay, what's the definition of morals? What's the definition of ethics? And then I had to go exploring. And your audio did really do a, a great job at it explaining the differences, but yet I never in my own life really separated them or took a look at what the differences meant for me. And now it's so much more clearer because I really didn't realize even that morals can change over time. And then I took a look at our history and I said, oh, yeah, that's right, they can. Good grief. <laughs> Before I got this chapter under my skin, I was accustomed to doing socially acceptable, quote-unquote, white lies. Or, depending on the state that you're living in, the state is nice. You tell people, oh, sure, I'll give you a call. Or, oh, sure, I'd love to go to lunch. Or, oh, sure, I'll do blah, 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 blah. And I had no intention whatsoever of doing it. But because it was a social situation where I didn't want to come off as a curmudgeon. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Right? Yeah, I think, yes, uh-huh. I think sometimes we're taught social graces that sabotage ethics. I see. Uh, you're right. You don't have the sincerity there. Like you said, you knew you weren't going to do it, so there's not the sincerity. But like. because everybody knew when I said I was going to do something because it was part of the, quote, social expectation, unquote, they knew that even though I said yes, I was going to do something, that no, I wasn't going to do something. And even the person who I'm telling them, and I'm point blank to their face, oh, of course I would love to go to lunch, and they know that I'm full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> right? The best thing to do is to say, oh, I'm not sure. Now, today, instead of being a socially sanctioned white lie, I would just simply say that's a most kind offer. And then I would change the topic. Mm. And if I was pressed again, then I'm given permission to be more direct. Folks, do you follow? Yes, I follow. Yep. Yes. Just to be polite too, huh? (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those sabotage things that we really didn't talk about in our last class. How many socially accepted sabotage tools were you taught? Oh, I would love to attend your party, but I've got to work overtime. Oh, I would love to da-da-da-da-da, but da-da-da-da-da. And it relates to caring for somebody or working overtime or other commitments or when you had no other commitments other than to eat potato chips and watch a movie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. 
right? Do you follow? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Every different culture. Remember how we talked about morals being developed within a social milieu, right? Yes. Uh-huh. In some cultures, it's perfectly fine to dance. In other cultures, they would have you locked up. <laughs> In some cultures, it's perfectly fine to wear a two-piece bikini out on the beach. In other cultures, you may not come out alive. <laughs> right, yeah. Even the Hawaiian culture, when it first started with dance, only the men danced. The women did not ah, dance. That's true. That's their, that was their culture, and that changed. Tonya, in your own lifetime, what has changed from a cultural standpoint? I'll, I often use the example of smoking. In my own lifetime, I have witnessed smoking to be not that big of a deal, even endorsed by the Surgeon General of the United States, to now smoking is generally banned in most state or federal buildings, and you can't smoke on the plane and blah, blah, blah. Right? So that whole thing around smoking has shifted in my own lifetime. I'm curious, from a woman's standpoint, Tonya, what have you seen change in your own lifetime, even regarding your own gender expectations? What a huge question. <laughs> I've seen in my own lifetime, specific to women, at one point when I was very, very young, women were expected to be seen and not heard. They were expected to provide for the family and do for the man. They couldn't have their own success experience, personal success or business success or anything of that nature. And, uh, and that's, that's turned completely around. So if you, as a visionary, mm-hmm. were born 40 years earlier, what do you think would have happened to your vision? It would have been squelched right before they burned me at the stake. you see how morals really shape us in ways that diminish our potential but it's socially accepted the the lesson of chapter 9 is if you say it and you do it you're ethical but you may be judged immoral You see how convoluted this can get? Oh, yeah. So this goes both ways. It's not only what I say and do, but it's what you agree to or not agree to. Right. And we're going to go back and tie in the prior chapter, performance-based contracts. When I follow a performance-based contract and I, without your permission, change the contract, but I tell you that, but I don't change your written contract because I tell you I'm going to change your contract, but I don't put it in writing, and I do change our terms whether you like them or not, am I being ethical, moral, or both? So I No, you're not being ethical because what was written in the contract you did not follow. Bingo. <laughs> My word is both written and verbal. It's both. Yeah. It's the package deal. If the reason that someone comes to me and says they can't fulfill a contract is legitimate, then and there's nothing they can do, then sometimes I have to accept the change and I don't like it. If there's a reason that doesn't make sense, 
then I can stand up, or is there something I can do about it, then I can stand up and say no. So it depends. Sometimes, unfortunately, contracts change because of something that changed in someone's life or someone's business. Agreeable. Or my own. Stuff happens. Agreeable. However, from a ethics versus moral perspective, ethics is pretty black and white, isn't it? Either you do what you say or you don't, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Either you're pregnant or you're not, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And yes, there could be situations, extreme situations, where there may need to be a change in a contract, and there may not Mm -hmm. be enough time to hash out a mutually agreeable contract and then follow it up in writing. Granted, there there will be those times. What I'm trying to get across to you is the power of aligning word with deed. Mm-hmm. And that power is different than force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Fundamentally comes down to trying to keep the word at your deed as best as humanly possible. That's, and adjust that's where needed. You did get okay. out of the exercise in Chapter 9 about sabotage. If you all of a sudden discover that, oops, I made a mistake, whether that's <laughs> self-sabotage or whatever it is, and you need to adjust your word and your deed, you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing's yes. ever engraved in stone, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've found that all throughout this month. So... As we wrap up Chapter 9, there may be some acclimating to this as time goes on. And there may be a reference to old ways, old social customs that you think are acceptable, but from an integrity standpoint, they sabotage you. I can choose to feel uncomfortable, wronged, superior, bent out of shape, due to a moral that I'm not aware of, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. Until I get in touch with the local morals, do I get more in touch of how to be a better ethical person? Follow? I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah because I had culture shock because in America, everything for me was cream on the dot, 5 o'clock, you better be here, or you better be here early. And then I went to Egypt, which is where my family's from, and I also vacationed in Mexico, and I saw the cultures there. And it's 5, we'll get 5.10 maybe, 5.15, 5.20, we'll show up. They'll show up maybe 10, 15 minutes late, and there's no shock. There's no, like, anything is wrong. <laughs> and it just went to show me how much culture shock I can have from going from one place to another and how much morals... I can really get messed up on because I have this one idea of what one culture is supposed to do, and I have another idea of what the culture I came from is like. Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder... Are you ready to take this class yourself? 
We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.